0: To also hit the ground running, you know, I'm looking back and like, would I have waited to do the Kickstarter? And I I wouldn't have, I really wouldn't have waited to do the Kickstarter, Um, but I would have focused on the team more.
1: From Vermont Center for Emerging Technologies, it's Start Here, a podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and accidental entrepreneurs. Today we sit down with Tyler McNanny, founder of Philibot, champion of sustainability, and one of Forbes' 30 Under 30 All-Stars of 2018. Welcome, this is Sam Roach-Gerber.
2: And Dave Bradbury.
1: Recording from the Consolidated Communications Hub in downtown Burlington, Vermont.
2: Tyler's in the house. Welcome. Hey.
1: <laughs> Hi, Tyler. Hello. Thanks for coming.
0: Very excited. Yes.
2: All right. Tell us what Philobot is. Sweet. And describe the current company, please.
0: Awesome. So, Philobot uh, is in the 3D printing market space. Um, we work with FDM 3D printers, which stands for fusion deposition, where they have a plastic filament that gets heated up. Squirts out of the nozzle and builds an object, right?
2: We're very familiar with FDM acronyms, okay. so don't worry about <laughs> okay. it. It's a very sophisticated
0: Good. audience. All right, so uh, our machine, right, is a plastic recycling machine that takes waste plastic, um, failed 3D prints, grinds it up, and turns it back into the feedstock for 3D printers. Um, we're working towards that goal of utilizing the widest range of plastics, so that we can take plastics from the ocean, um, beaches, waterways, uh, land, and, and convert it back Right at location, so we could do it on this table uh, right here.
1: Wow! So it like squirts it out like a tube of toothpaste, except plastic, basically.
0: Yeah, <laughs> kind of. Maybe at a
2: higher temperature before a little explodes. bit hotter.
0: <laughs> it a... still doesn't go back. Well, technically, it goes back in the filibot this time. So like two. Okay. Toothpaste, There's
2: no play. screw cap, but nope. let's get out of
0: toothpaste <laughs> for a second. So, how many people are working for you? How big are you? Can you yeah. give us a sense? So we, we've always fluctuated, but now we're uh, seven, seven team members. Um, one is part-time and the rest are all full-time. Right, down
2: in, in Barrie?
0: Down in Barrie. We do have some uh, remote workers and, you know, we're not so focused on having, like, you know, everyone at the warehouse all the time. Um, we actually have a self-directed culture now, which is pretty cool. And we've been, you know, playing around with that, seeing how that works.
2: Oh, cool. And then um, do you manufacture your own uh, machines, the Filabot machines? So you have you have grinders that grinds up the waste. Yep. Extruders that takes the waste pellets and heats it up and yep. spits out...
0: Uh, filament and then we have some other accessories so there's one that will take the filament out of the extruder put it on the nice spool and then that's what you feed into your 3d printer Um, all the machines are our design and then we have a company that puts them together for us Uh, so we do the dirty and the fun work of like r&d seeing how to break things and and figuring out why things aren't working Uh, so that's what we do at our shop
1: super cool Tyler, did you always know you wanted to start your own business? Have you had the entrepreneurial bug your whole life, or is this sort of unexpected?
0: Uh, I have had the bug my whole life. Yeah. Yeah, we I hear- wonder if that's something you've been finding. We hear that a lot. Yeah.
2: <laughs> is it because you're a Boy Scout?
0: Um, I don't know if... I think that played into it in some regards. Was but there a I,
2: badge? They'd probably have an entrepreneur badge nowadays. They had a
0: basket weaving badge. You <laughs> basket <could> go, <laughs> weaving and it's 3D, 3D printing has so much in common. Yeah. Right. The, like, it's like filament, right? It totally like that. <laughs> No, so I think it was – I can attribute a lot to Boy Scouts – but I think um, the bigger thing was, like, when something would break in our house, right? My my father would pull it out to our workshop. It could have been a washing machine, a computer, whatever it was, right? He'd pull it out, and uh, my brothers and I would wait for him to say it couldn't be fixed, right? And then we'd just <laughs> dive into it and, like, find all these components and parts and materials, and then... Uh...
2: You didn't have cable television in Milton then, did you? No, because we were taking was your it fun. apart. <laughs> <laughs> That's really great. So you wanted to be an entrepreneur at a young age? Yeah, yeah.
0: I have a list of businesses if you want to.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah, let's hear them.
0: So I think my first business was I would take acorns from the neighbor's tree. I would drill, like, smiley faces in them and then take a stick, which was like a, I don't don't remember what type of, it was a stick, right? Put a pen cap in it and sell the pens. It was like $2 a pen, right? It was awesome. Nice. And then uh, the next was birdhouses. So my father would get these big pallets from IBM, which they shipped, like, big uh, machinery in, right? So it was just this. Excess wood, yeah, excess wood, right? Nice plywood. So we'd cut it up and we'd build birdhouses out of them. Um, And then
1: recycling materials already. Yeah,
0: recycling, utilizing materials, like just using what's around us. And well, there's an
2: element of theft too, (laughs) right?
0: You stole acorns and now pallets from IBM. So I've done some dumpster diving. No, he did work at IBM. So so it was was technically yeah, yeah. IBM's okay. (laughs) Um. So, yeah, always taking things apart, and then uh, I started getting into, like, the business side of things. I would have a – I had, like, a lawn mowing company, and I would have, like – a I set up an old TV on a lawnmower so that I could watch it dr- while I was driving. But it was, like, an old CRT, so it was, like, this big. It was just weird. Bigger than a lawnmower, yeah. right? I just – I left it off all the time because you can't really watch TV when you're driving a lawnmower. Anyway um, – So that was one. And then I started doing Segway handlebar repair. And those were made out of plastic. And that's when I started, like...
1: Segway handlebar repair. You said that very casually.
2: Yeah, I mean, everyone
0: (laughs) does it, right? Everyone's been on a Segway. Everyone's...
2: Uh, Yeah, or have seen the handlebars hit something. Yeah, or
0: somebody just, like, wreck on one. No, so um, we had a lot of connections with the Segway. And one of the inventors, or one of the persons who worked on the project lived on our street. And then another person, like did tours with them, uh, so a lot of connections there. And uh, they would always break, right, and they're made out of plastic. So that's when I started learning how to, like, work with plastic, I guess. I didn't know at the time that that's, you know, that this it would lead to Philibot. Um, but that was definitely a piece where it was like you can get in. You had to crack open the shells, like melt it down, and then I would play with different ways to make, you know, the replacement handlebars.
2: Well, I first recall meeting you in our Basement facility, I guess lower level facility, garden level Look, facility. That sounds better. At UVM Farrell Hall, where mm. VSET got started in probably later 2011, maybe yep. early 2012. And you walked in the door and you said, <laughs> my gosh, I, I just raised $32,320 on Kickstarter yep. selling machines I don't know how to build and a company I haven't formed yet. What do I do? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that happens every day, obviously, but... But no, it didn't. It was kind of a special, remarkable time. So, um,
1: got your attention, didn't it? Though? Why did you use
2: Kickstarter and and uh, like? Yeah. How come the you put the cart so far in front of the horse?
0: Um, so I think you like, you know, growing up, all the stories of building stuff, the companies, right? I was always busy, like running around um, building stuff. So when I got to school, it was it was a whole semester of really just doing schoolwork, and we all know how boring that is, right? Um, so I learned about 3D printing like two days before Christmas break of the first semester, and then that's when I got home and started the Kickstarter. So for those 30 days over the holiday was the Kickstarter, raised the money, uh, and then after that, you know, I came to VSET. I mean, I was looking at every option for, like, advice on it. I mean, I had, you know, the money. I had 67 systems. I had seen the stories and issues of... Uh, like a failed Kickstarter where somebody doesn't deliver and then the name is ruined. And those were early
2: days in Kickstarter too, right? Yeah, we were those all, were. We were all kind of learning.
0: <laughs> those, were, those were so early, you didn't need a prototype to, like if you're building a physical object, you didn't need to have that prototype done. So You it may was, have
2: been the first funded Kickstarter project in Vermont. I don't. Really? Uh, uh, yeah. Wow. Maybe we can check that out. I mean, certainly one that was a non-for-profit uh, company.
0: But. It was definitely, yeah, I mean, now you look back at the value and the volumes of Kickstarters and we're definitely one of the smaller ones now, but back then it was like... It was massive. It was massive. And it was actually like scary. I was, So I was in, I guess I was back at school and like I woke up and I saw that I had reached the goal... I was like, Oh my God, like what do I do now? <laughs> yeah, like i I can't finish my homework. I gotta work on this, and like it was
2: oh I remember talking about we needed a lawyer to incorporate what sort of you know c corp s corp l l c yeah, like I all that kind of how do I get a bank account <laughs> like all this kind of startup one oh one stuff and your situations, you had customers, you had validation. So, I mean, honestly, it's right. really what we teach around lean entrepreneurship: go out and prove that people want to buy this thing. And which I think is the beauty of Kickstarter. Yeah. Right. You oh yeah, it's beautiful. see if there's a market and then build toward it. Right. Um, how'd it go? Delivering those first products.
0: It was hard. I mean, there was I had hundreds and hundreds of prototype. I mean, looking at a Filabot now, I like I get bored watching filament because I watched filament just coming out of a nozzle, just hot plastic, and it was it's boring. It is. So boring to see hot plastic coming out of nozzles for that long. Um, so a lot of prototypes, and, I mean, I had a lot of uh, resources. So my gr- grandfather and my uncle were machinists. You know, they knew how to work with materials, different metals. Um, they had some idea in plastics. Uh, my neighborhood, I knew who to go to or, like, you know, the surrounding community. Um, there was a— Well, because Husky
2: injection molding's yeah, up there, too. Yeah, I actually so did that, an internship
0: that... there way back.
2: All right, go Husky.
0: I don't know. I, I don't know if they— no, they they did. It was really interesting like just to see the th- all the connections. Yeah, looking back like Husky was one. There was um machine shops I was did some internships at, so like manufacturing was like score one for internships, Sam. Totally. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and just like community in general. It sounds Mm -hmm. like, I want to visit that neighborhood. It sounds like there's a lot of smart people. (laughs) Yeah,
0: we might have some weird neighbors here and there, but I can point those out.
1: Yeah, well, those are (laughs) sometimes the smartest ones, right? Yes.
2: It's not the character of Vermont, it's the characters in Vermont that I think is where the magic's (laughs) at. Totally. I love it.
1: So you got some guidance from Dave, it sounds like. Um, Yeah. But but what else was happening during that time? You you got this money, you couldn't finish your homework. Um, What's next?
0: I mean, it was... If you looked at our like social and like the news, like we went around the, the world with with our news. Like we were in, we've been in TechCrunch, we've been in, well, we've been at Forbes, we've been in. Uh, I can't remember any of the names. Great. Well, um, <laughs> insert names Just here. Google it. People. Just Google it. I mean, it's we were in so many. It was like, oh my gosh, I'm in this, and like it was it's a, it was a weekly thing. It was just like, oh, I'm in this, and I'd like I'd forward it to my mom, and she'd be like. Oh, great. Another one, another one, another one. Right. Um, so it was, it was just blowing up, like just going crazy. Still didn't have the prototype. So I was still working on it, working through those prototypes. I mean, it was really like me. I had, uh, my girlfriend, I had my parents kind of helping like build stuff. Um, but it was just, I guess it was just me on the team at that point. So year and a half, two years. And, uh, we finally got the systems together, um, and we got them shipped out. I refunded the ones who I couldn't. I actually had to raise over double the amount to finish the prototypes and, you know, get them out to the to the world and refund the people. But uh, overall, we completed it. And uh, yeah, and, and
2: the problem you were solving was filament was expensive. And so as people were were, were yeah. buying these early three D printing systems, you know, hobbyists or even small businesses, right. it was sort of expensive.
0: Yeah, it was definitely expensive. Cost was one, but the the thing that I really liked was the you know taking a waste plastic and turning it into something and that's actually like today that's our bigger sell than than expensive material um because the filament market there's no money it's in commoditized it. yeah it's just yeah
1: so i mean i was doing a little research and you have incredible customers nasa dupont mit are all on the list yeah. is this who you expected to be buying your product
0: no no we uh I mean, it was going to be hobbyist, right? But as we built out our machine, we started to realize that we have to have a high-quality machine, you know, with with the components that make it work the right way. And uh, that kind of put us into a different price bracket. But I guess if you look at the customers, um, like, we're always surprised. We had this, I guess I can't really say their name. I can't even remember how to say their name, but it was like a 10-letter acronym. And we, the whole team is like joking about it and we say the name, but uh no, we, we are so excited to be working and to have our systems in these companies. It, it's amazing. I mean, uh, it's in colleges that I could probably never get into. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Right? Well, hey, they sent you a check rather than me right, them. Right, right. That's, that's, that's it's pretty great. neat. Um, all right, so then yeah, after the first Kickstarter, you were still uh, trying to stay in college as well as start yes. a company. And then um, tell us tell us why, and how a cargo van or box van fit <laughs> into your solution
0: right, so that was that was still the beginning there. Um, so I was in college, I needed a space to build these systems, you know even if it was you know five a day or ten a day, whatever right um, but I didn't want to commute all the way up to Milton and back down to down to Randolph. Uh, so I bought a box truck and I was going to kind of convert that into like a mobile workshop. So like I could always work on stuff, right? Um, How'd that go? I I would, I, so, you know, earlier we were talking about, I would get home from, uh, you know, on the weekend and like drive it down the street and dream about it. I actually sold it. I made some money, a little bit of money on it. Um, and then just decided to like come home on the weekends and just focus all weekend on it. So like friday afternoon to you know early monday i'd be working on philabot you know physically and then at school i'd do the you know computer work um customer service i mean i was doing it all i was like
2: yeah well you the grip was pretty tight for you i mean that's not i mean as yeah. a, as a young entrepreneur right? i didn't when know you, what yeah were you like 1918 when
0: this all started I, th- or? I think i was well i was yeah i would have been 19 when it started um yeah, nineteen. Yeah, so learning to share responsibilities, how to hire people, right.
2: um, not not easy stuff all to, new. to figure it out. Yeah,
0: right.
1: And um, then you couldn't even go out for a beer afterwards. It's like, you know,
0: right? No, right. I would actually, I would go to a lot of these events, like, uh, like Startup Vermont or uh, what was it? Yeah, Startup Vermont. Launch VT. Launch VT. Yeah. Launch oh VT. boy. Yep. They're gonna be mad at me for that one. Um. They'll forgive you. Nice. I'll uh, just give them a shout out. How helpful it was and that'll they play. didn't give me any any beers, so. Good, it but would, no, they illegal. it was like it was always interesting. They're all like, How old are you? and I was like, oh, I can't have one, yeah. So, but it was, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> all right. Um, I just love the cargo, the box fan story of the mobile lab. That's uh,
1: totally the idea of a 19 year old. So, sure. what, yeah. uh, <laughs> when did you decide
2: to pull the trigger and uh abandon college to, to pursue this?
0: Uh, it was like three and a half, four years later, right? And uh, I did. I was in school for about four, three and a half, four years. Um, I did engineering and then I switched to business, which I thought it would be better. I mean, I liked the engineering. I was getting it done, Um, but I was like, oh, I could get the business one too, but I would do all the business work for Philibot. So then like the homework, yeah, the homework was for Philibot. So it never like, I never got the homework done. And then I got to a point where it's like, there's this one class, it was English. The story is I failed it like five times, right? I'm not a writer. I'm not a speller. I can't, like, it's so hard for me to write. I can definitely write a paper, but it's going to take twice as long to do it. And, you know, I can't meet the deadlines they have. Uh, So I just kept failing, and I was like, all right, you know what? I'm done. So that is, to this day, that's the one class. Nobody fails English. (laughs) I failed it five times. So, yeah, that is the one class that... uh, well, I here's the have.
2: good news. Like as as you become more successful with this company, at some point they will give you a degree, like a doctorate. You'll be like doctor. I'm McNally. waiting for that. <laughs> <It's> freaking <laughs> honorary awesome. degree.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm waiting.
2: You can just drop the honorary. <laughs> just say, "Oh, I got my degree." Nice. Maybe from one of those schools that bought your system. That came... there you go.
1: That'd be ideal. <laughs>
0: That'd um, be great. All right.
2: So let's talk about what what's most surprised you as a business owner and leader as you've gone through sort of this this wild mm-hmm. startup phase toward actually having to manage production, human resources, customers. So what, what, what yeah. learnings that you could share that might help demystify or improve the journey for the, the next 18-year-old working out of a box van?
0: Yeah, um, I was definitely like our product was technical, so I had to know a lot of the technical side. And I think uh, the team member side, like looking back, I would have grown the team sooner. Um, I would have focused on the team more and maybe, you know, outsourced the engineering. You know, the goal of what we were building had a very defined goal. Um, but the team that needed to be there to build it is uh, something that was really important.
2: I distinctly remember, oh, yeah, we need a UL listing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a mix yeah. to make sure things wouldn't, you know, catch well, on fire. Yeah, right. All that.
0: We I mean we were when I was talking with you, we were looking at it all and then I, I think part of it is also to also hit the ground running. You know, I'm looking back and like would I have waited to do the Kickstarter? And I, I wouldn't have. I really wouldn't have waited to do the Kickstarter. Um, but I would have focused on the team more and made sure I had the right people helping in the right ways and
2: yeah. And then what uh, where do you spend most of your time today?
0: Uh, I'm kind of all over. So I do some consulting work here. Um, I mean, I'm still working on Philibot almost all the time, Um, but I'll do that out of my home office. And it's a lot of computer work. That's one thing that really sucks is like just sitting in front of a computer. There's so much we can do on a computer that it's hard to get in, in front of the machines and actually work with them. Um, and we have a team that's so extensive that they're the ones doing that. So I'm, in a way, I'm a little jealous that I can't be.
2: Well, if only yeah. there were a co-working environment for someone like, like Tyler right. to join. Essex has a neat space. Or, yeah, right, maybe but then Essex my Junction. taxes,
0: I can't. I could have another office, I guess. Yeah, you can. <laughs> okay.
2: People we're do. good there. Hint, hint. We're good there. Hint, um, hint. Actually, we're not qualified to give any tax advice. This is a disclaimer. Right. We
1: shouldn't include that in all of our podcasts. Yeah,
2: seriously. <laughs>
1: So I just want to talk a little bit more about that sort of you realized, oh, man, I had to build a team. How did you go about doing that? How has sort of finding talent been?
0: Yeah, a lot of it was it's been really hard for me to like get people like like a new person and pull them out, whether it's like a LinkedIn search or a job search. So it was really people I knew. So uh, some friends from high school, uh, a buddy from Vermont Tech. Um, people I knew who I trusted, right? I mean, for me, it all comes down to honesty and trust. If if somebody can, like, if someone failed at building something or couldn't deliver on a deadline and they're just honest with you um, and you can trust them to honestly have your bank account information, then that's someone you want to work with. Um, and I think I've over-trusted in the past and I haven't uh, figured out how that works. Yeah. Um, so working on that still. And, yeah. uh
1: that sounds like you have a, a good strong core
0: right now. Which is yeah, brand. we have a we have an awesome team. That's
2: yeah. great. And, and you're in Barrie,
0: yep. uh, where most well most of the teams um, Yeah. What's it like growing a business in Barrie? It's interesting. You know, it's actually like I think it's hard people wise, right? Like the the pool of applicants to you know, I mean, there's a lot of great talent up in Burlington area, like where more people are, right? But um if you get the right people, we can work remote, all that good stuff, but uh We've been kind of sheltered, which is kind of a good thing because we've have, we've had a uh, – that was funny. There was a, a family from Pennsylvania who, like, drove up, and we see this van pull up. And this whole family piles out, you know, the mom, the dad, the, the kids, and, the, and they're like, hey, we heard about you. Can we get a tour? And we're like, okay. Like, <laughs> normally we, like, clean the warehouse a little, right? And then we, you know – we're ready, and I had—I don't know what I was wearing, and it was—it was crazy. But I think being sheltered has allowed us to really focus on what our core things are, and allowed us to um, move that that goal forward.
1: I would have loved to have been on that tour.
0: It was interesting. I mean, they were a great family. Um, apparently, we had met them before, like in D.C. or something. Yeah. We just—did they buy anything? No. no. Okay.
2: That's uh, not a condition, but uh, I just don't want a lot more tour tour, tour people showing right. up. Uh, and this is the second mention of a van. I just want to note that. Um, At so, some
0: point, I should talk about the buses.
2: I was going to ask you about the buses. So let's w- jump into it. This is your time. Okay.
0: Yeah. So uh, Why
2: are buses so meaningful to you?
0: What's going on with this bus? There's, there's a lot going on with the bus. I can't dive into it too much, but it's basically a bus with a helicopter landing pad on top full-size tour bus sleeps six people um and it's a full support vehicle for a helicopter so this was a it was a band bus we bought it in chicago drove it back here spent uh seven months last year rebuilding it i mean we went down to the the skin of the outside of the bus and we were cutting members out of the you know the metal um floorboards out and uh rebuilding it and then it has a full i mean it could take a 20,000-pound helicopter on top. So
2: what, what's this have to do with 3D printing?
0: Nothing. Nothing. So this is one of those random projects we put on the side, and, and it's not how done. Do you, how do you deal with the entrepreneur's
2: sort of, I don't call it dilemma, but <sighs> it's a you're dilemma. so creative, and how do you stay focused enough to implement and succeed at one thing, let alone yeah. chase 20 things? Well,
0: one way, I always like, I always say I'll focus, and then I'm like, okay, I'll just make more LLCs and then I'll work on that in that LLC, and I, like, divide it. So I definitely don't stay focused, but I'm, I'm working on getting better at that. But then if I do it too well, then I'm, like, I stress, and I start to, like, all really the, All worry. the things you're not doing. Yeah, of I, all the things I'm not doing.
1: How many LLCs do you have?
0: I have three. Three. Yeah. That's not too bad. That's healthy. But yeah. how many DBAs do I have? Oh, no. I have, what like, product six. Means,
2: yeah. Yeah. Oh. That's okay.
0: And there's only, yeah, I mean, it's, I got to get back to the focus part, but um, that was a side project, and we brought in another crew to help build it, so that was fun, and then uh, mm. my girlfriend and I, we just bought another bus that we're going to convert into a schoolie and then travel the country and go explore, so that'll awesome. be
2: fun. We worked with, uh, we teach a course in Middlebury College called Mid-Entrepreneurs, mm. and uh, Lena Jacobs, uh, her her business was the Dream Bus, and it actually went from campus across. Okay. the I think mid- I've heard of that. Yeah, one. she just was about entrepreneurism and dreams and high schools yeah. and colleges. It was really awesome. You should check out her bus. <laughs> it's really, really nice. That's awesome. Probably get you a good deal on it too. I don't know.
1: Dave, we're yeah. trying to keep him focused. I dude. don't
0: need another bus.
2: Okay, that's true. That's, that's a lot. You have that's to get a, lot. a. Do you have a commercial license for a bus?
0: Oh, uh, you don't need it because it seats under twelve people which is scary because it's like a van it's not a bus yeah it's just a really long van okay i
1: feel like we're gonna have to do like an annual tyler podcast like what's changed since last year what is tyler (laughs) i feel like we
2: violated like six different like regulations already between tax advice llcs and now commercial driving so let's let's bring it back into something that's helpful (laughs) to to our listeners um let's talk about sustainability. Okay. Why is this a big deal for you? Is that a theme around your products or your other companies that you're thinking about around sustainability?
0: Yeah. Um, you know, bigger picture as a whole, I think, uh, that's really going to be our next issue is waste. You know, the waste that we're creating, whether it's emissions from our cars, um, plastic waste, you know, the waste that's polluting, um, just waste in general. We, uh, we need to utilize it better and then we need to utilize it better before we can even think about going to mars and colonizing and going on big space adventures right um so i i'm always interested in like the machines that convert stuff right so in our machine shop that we have we take raw metal right and we turn it into something useful fill prototypes or whatever um but then i'm really interested in like how would we how would we convert emissions in cars to something that's not polluting. That's not a greenhouse gas. Um obviously there's scalability issues and stuff we have to solve with that. But uh I think waste as a general is a great area for any entrepreneur to start working in. Um my tagline, one of my taglines is I'm not a garbage man, but uh it's definitely an area that needs help. You know, and, and being, you know, working at Philibot is actually like on the plastic side has has allowed me to see so many different things. Like uh I've learned about green plastics, and actually, green pla- plastics—excuse plastics, me—are great materials, but they're going to create the same problems as oil-based plastics, where they're—you know—animals are ingesting them, or they're floating off in the ocean.
2: Right, little micro beads and yeah, they're going to the do rest the same and, thing. And fish and uh, the bellies of the whales that they keep uh, yep. opening after wash up is stunning.
0: Yeah, and and you know, it's a it's an option that they're selling right now as a green thing, but it's not. It's hmm. not as green as they say. It's great because it derives us from oil, or it gets us away, diverts us, I should say, from using oil-based plastics. But uh, it's not a solution. I think it's is, like
1: one step in the right direction, but not yeah. solving the problem exactly. So I want to go back and talk a little bit more about three D printing in general, like that industry. What does the future look like there? What, what's what are you most excited about that you've seen going on?
0: Um, I mean every week it seems like there's a new thing we're definitely you've seen the scope of uh, was it enlightenment or scope of uh, interest where it's like it starts off at a peak and then tapers out into like a not a plateau but a more gradual slope Um, 3D printing's on the back of that peak right now Um, and then they have things like 4D printing where you print it and then it turns into something after Uh, but there's just so many applications and actually uh, if you can imagine the perfect 3D printer right like Um, everyone's going to laugh when I say this one, maybe not everyone here, everyone who knows me. And here's, this is, uh, the Star Trek replicator, right? It's this machine that literally prints anything from food to, you know, a cell phone to any object, it'll just print it. Right. And like you, you plug it in and it comes out. Um, that's like the ultimate 3d printer. So as more and more technology comes out around 3d printing, like I can just see how all those technologies are going to come together at some point and make something like that. And then we'll make the dereplicator.
2: I, I couldn't agree more. The advances in 3D printing um, are, are stunning. Mm-hmm. Uh, printing organs, printing foods, printing different scaffolds for for, for biomechanical devices. I mean, it, it's absolutely stunning. It's and amazing. gives me hope for Vermont, too, for manufacturing. I mean, yeah. you really can have distributed manufacturing. Yeah. right. Using local resources or ones that are... That are that are gathered and recycled, so it really changes the supply chain.
0: It does, and I think it's you know I think in that that note, it's affected uh, the industrial side way more than uh, than everybody's thinking. Like I I know at least four or five people in Vermont so far that have production. 3d printing facilities not like a hundred printers but enough to make a part and make a living off of it right um we we use it at filibot for production and it's it's amazing tool to have so it, i don't know if it'll be in every home but it's definitely going to impact us a lot more in the future
1: it's pretty crazy
2: to think about it's amazing it's pretty awesome um what um, what's the future for Philbot? I mean I noticed you develop filaments as well that do special things with carbon yeah. lattices or nanotubes and we play maybe with the word of the day is that a i mean is that a premium product you're able to sell or does it have patents anything or just kind of fun to do and
0: yeah the the filament side is kind of fun to do. We see it as like a, you know that's what our machines do right, so it makes that special filament, so we make. You know, our machines allow other, people's, other people to make those cool materials, the nanoparticles and, you know, d- dissolvable filaments and stuff like that. So we kind of do it to play with it and see what, what we can do. And then our other side is, like, we know, waste or, you know plastic is a bad thing. We actually don't want more plastic to be made. Um, we want to be able to use what's around us, and we want to have the machines. We want to be able to provide machines to do that. So that's kind of what we're providing. So here's
2: a challenge for you. Um, we're pretty serious about ping pong here at VSET.
0: Nice.
2: And we probably go through 30, 40 ping pong balls a month. And we can't <laughs> recycle these mm. yet. But if, if you'd be willing to take this on, I believe there's a global audience of ping pong users who uh, might, might want to help you out. Yeah. Okay. We want a ball without a seam. Right? There's conventions, 40-millimeter diameters, certain, certain things. Right. So this is your chance. Hmm.
1: And now I, we know why Dave brought you in today. I know. <laughs> exactly.
0: He said orange. There you go. You know, I think we can, uh, <laughs> we can definitely grind it up, but printing it might not work that well. There's some limitations, definitely, just looking at it. like This is a very thin wall, hmm. but we can grind them. You're up to the challenge. Oh, my gosh. We could grind them. If you them. only could
2: form an LLC. Yeah, oh, I'm just, just, just don't do it now because you're going to give away the secret. <laughs> I'm just saying, there's a market for that. Nice. Um, F word, let's talk about the F word. Mm. Failure. What have you failed at? What did you learn?
0: I've failed at uh, almost everything I've worked on at Philibot, right? <laughs> like like w- at least once. And then um, I love failure. I, uh, I want to make sure that I'm failing but learning each time. I'd rather fail. What's the saying? Fail fast, fail often. Um, definitely believe in that. And I'm trying to push the team, certain team members to do that more. Like it's okay to fail. I've failed, you know, spending thousands of dollars on something just to look back at it and be like, wow, that was kind of a stupid idea. Um, but I learned. And, and maybe that's me trying to save face a little. But uh, you have to keep, you have to get in and, and poke around and see how things work and test it out. So, yeah.
1: Has there been any, like, technical challenges with Philobot that you've come across that you just, like, can't solve? Like, some problem that you really want to fix that you can't?
0: Um, No. So, I mean, starting, you know, when I first started, it was always, it was, like, extrusion issues and, like, the design. Um, but what I started to do was like, okay, maybe I don't need to design something totally new here. Maybe I just need to think about it differently. So I would put it down, walk away and then let it just percolate. I would talk with uh, you know, my support systems and uh figure out how to solve the issue. So if if you can, I mean there's a thousand ways to to do a podcast, right? To uh to solve a problem and that's that's kind of our mentality now is like okay, what are all the ways to solve it? Instead of just like, okay, I have to do it this way.
1: Just trying to look at different ways. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So along the same lines, have you had a mentor that's been particularly helpful? I know you mentioned you have family members who are machinists and that kind of thing, but anyone that comes to mind that's really been invaluable?
0: Um, I was actually asked that question the other day, and no, there's not a single mentor, but yeah. there's like a group of them, and I don't know if they know they are my mentors. Uh but, yeah, I definitely, like, rely on them. And, and even in just, like, conversations I have with them where I'm not, like, specifically asking a question. I'm just learning, like, how they would react and just seeing it. So I do a lot of reflection, like, on how I interact with the world and what I do. Um, so that really helps me, like, like know who to go to or know just who to be around to to get the right answers to go solve the problem I'm working on.
1: That's what I do. I just, like, I work in a co-working space, and, like, I actually don't have to do, like, I just have smart people all around me, so I just go to each one of them, and right. I'm like, hey, I'm probably,
0: I am probably this idea for me. Yeah, I, I probably, uh, I'm probably the dumbest one at Philabot, right? <laughs> and I just, yeah, definitely rely it's on a everyone It's secret
1: else. to entrepreneurship, really. It is.
0: It really is.
2: <laughs> uh, you don't have to have the right answer. Just ask the right question. Right. And, and right. I think that, Gosh, I wish I'd learned that earlier in my life. (laughs) Um, How would you rate uh, Vermont innovation ecosystem today?
0: There's definitely pockets of really, like, high-level forward thinking, right, which is really important. There's definitely areas and people who are not in line with, like, just thinking differently and, like, failing, right, right? but I, it's definitely grown since uh since i started 2011 i don't know if it's because i've seen more things happening in the startup space but i've definitely seen like businesses start here grow up to a you know a bigger company you know be bought out go that whole route um so it's definitely growing i mean the as as we know the, the way the world's going is everything's online it's all on our phone and uh that's one thing that we're really excited about because we don't have to be at work to do work. We can be on the road, be in a bus. Be in a bus. Yes. I love it. I love it.
1: <laughs> yeah, we always say build it here and there. You know, there's there really is no need for everyone to be in the same room anymore. It's right. You know, it's important to have that connection every now and again and, and connect in person, but we do a lot of stuff remote and I have works. to,
2: you know, we were just up at, in Lindenville checking out their new mm. innovation co-working space and, you know, we were able to stay in touch with folks here and I can't wait to be able right. to work from the kingdom and support that community right. a little bit, a little bit more. Um, so what's the goal for Phil about here? What's the future look like?
0: Yeah, we, um, so we're still working on some plastics, making sure we can do a hundred percent of that plastic and turning it back into filament there's over there's millions and million grades of plastic so trying to design a machine that does that has been our you know technical issue but we're working through that um one thing we're really interested in is getting out into the world more so at that point when we finally get our machine up to the level we need we're going to be able to go out in the world and start doing more collaborations with groups who have waste plastic um you know we've talked with a lot of people with Plastic literally watch, washing up on their beaches, but now we'll be able to go to them and help them and, you know, actually have a, an impact that we can physically see and touch. So we're really excited about that.
2: Yeah, I think that's outstanding. The, mm-hmm. the ocean plastics are, until you've walked on a beach and seen yeah. the devastation. It's crazy. You just, you can't fathom it. And, you right. know, the, the, the floating continent now of plastic somewhere in the Pacific is crazy. It's
0: crazy. Yeah.
2: All right, let's let's Sam let's, sem- let's, sem- let's, sem- let's end on a on a upbeat note here.
1: Yeah, well, I have a couple. I just want to mention, like, because I, I mentioned it in my intro, but Forbes thirty under thirty. Oh, that
2: again!
0: Oh, awesome!
2: Huh? Oh oh, Seriously? Did you have to get a haircut and stuff and a new shirt? I got a
0: fauxhawk. Yeah. <laughs> I have a face for radio, and yep. Yeah. So do we? Yeah,
2: obviously. definitely. That's why we're in podcasting for sure. Well, that's pre- congratulations. Thank that's you. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. That's awesome. Um, super cool. Did like. Ed McMahon type character just knock on your door and say, You've won this or how did it come
0: about? Uh I got an email, I thought it was spam and you know, I followed up and they had a whole interview process uh to, you know, to being accepted. Um Yeah, and and I, I mean, I was super excited. It was, you know, it was on my bucket list, but not something that I was like it it's validation that what we're working on is something good, right? It's it's like it's actually kind of scary that we have it now because now we really have to make Get sure to perform. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like more than a hundred percent up to it. We got to live up to it like fully and truly. Um, which is, it's good that we feel that way because now we're, we're Let, cruising. Lights of
1: fire. Yeah. 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 So I guess my invites must be just in my spam. I'll double check and make sure. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Why are Clearly you laughing Dave? The <laughs> There's <laughs> nothing yeah. funny about that. <laughs> Um, all right, well, I think we got to wrap up here, unfortunately. But, um, of course, our, our last question, our magic wand question. Oh, boy. Yeah. If you could change one thing in Vermont today mm. with a magic wand, what would you change?
0: Oh, one thing? Dream big. Oh, geez. I don't know if I can answer that. i got a, I got a few things I would change.
2: I thought for sure he was gonna say no plastics.
0: I think we I think we can improve our plastic system in Vermont, for sure. Like we could we could use our material over and over here. Let's do it. I'm sure try- I don't know what the biggest impact would be. Okay. Uh, well make it fun. This is about you. <laughs> I would uh, I would update the the road system so that we could just you could just sit in a car and go and not have to like be driving. Perfect. Yeah. love
2: it love it or when the flying <laughs> or flying flying yes. cars come. yes yes Perfect. pretty exciting. that's a great one tyler thank you nice um dude you listen to our podcast you knew that question was coming
0: i don't listen to the end when it gets you to, don't end, listen to this the whole, end is like, it too long it's this montage and i know when to stop done that's <laughs> yeah. well, good to know it's good feedback we gotta
1: do some surprise endings i think dave that's what we've learned here today
2: Give out cash money.
1: Yeah, something Both. like that.
0: Cash money. You got a
2: VSET t-shirt. There's there a you million go. dollars in there. Cash money. Nice. This has been Start Here with Sam and Dave, a podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and accidental entrepreneurs. a series has been made possible by the Vermont Technology Council and Consolidated Communications. Follow us on Twitter at VCET. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to work.